Welcome to the Loveland Libcast, the official podcast of the Loveland Public Library. Home canning puts the pleasure of eating natural, delicious produce at your fingertips year-round. Preserving food is as modern and practical as the latest food trends, and it's really simple. Easy to understand, detailed instructions provide all the information you need before you begin a food preserving project. Enjoy the rewards of numerous homemade meals and snacks created from just one preserving session. This book includes over 400 recipes for soft spreads, fruits, salsas, relishes, chutneys, condiments, pickles, tomatoes, and more. This is The Ball Complete Book of Home Preserving, edited by Judy Kingry and Lauren Devine. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Loveland Libcast. I'm Esther. I'm taking over hosting the podcast for Daniel. And today's episode is the Loveland Cookbook Group episode, and I'm joined by Ashley Reger, as usual. Today we're talking about the Ball Complete Book of Home Preserving, edited by Judy Kingry and Lauren Devine. Ashley, how are you doing today? I'm so good. I'm glad to be here. I think we'll both miss uh, recording with Daniel, but I'm really excited for the conversations that we're going to have. Yeah, same. Are you surviving this hot heat? I am. I'm not really an outdoorsy kind of person, so I'm not going outside much, but we are going camping this weekend, so that'll be a test of my strength on multiple uh, areas. Yeah. Where are you guys going? <laughs> uh, Glacier Basin near Estes Park. Yeah, it'll be nice up there. It won't be so hot. Let's maybe just jump right in. This cookbook group is kind of interesting because it's all about preserving and canning and pickling and things that we have been doing as humans for a very, very long time. And I have a little mini history thing that I went down on a little bit of a deep dive on canning. So. Oh, I'm so excited to hear your history lesson. <laughs> yeah, it's a very like dorky library thing to do, but. Um, so pickles, the like earliest suggestion of pickled food is from 2400 BC. So we have been pickling and preserving and salting and drying and doing stuff to food for a really, really long time. But I have a little quiz for you. When did we make a vessel that could be sealed mm. for which to put something like veggies in that are fresh, that you open it up and it's the exact same as when you put it in, not preserved in vinegar, not preserved in another way, like mm. drying, but just like jam or jelly or like that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Okay, so I happen to know a little bit about the history of canning as not, I'm not a history buff, so I couldn't tell you the year, but I know that Napoleon instigated or asked people to come up with a way to preserve food for his conquering yeah. of regions. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Look at you, you know so much. In 1795, he was like, I will give money to anybody who can do this. And then a chef in France in 1809 figured out how to do glass jars with a cork with wax on top that will keep food from spoiling. 
and he got like 12,000 francs for the discovery. To change the entirety of human food, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, what what do we get in the grocery store that hasn't been, you know, besides fresh produce? But if you go in those middle aisles, everything is preserved in some way or another. Yeah. Yeah. So then it kind of things start to fall into place after that. The year afterwards, in 1810, somebody created an iron and tin can that you had to like solder closed. And they didn't introduce a can opener until 1870. So like 60 years of cans with no can opener. They would just chisel them open, I guess, with a hammer and a little chisel. Home preserving really, really boomed in the during World War II and then kind of dipped almost immediately because everybody got refrigerators. But we still use canning today. It's wild to think that we've only had canning for, you know, 200 years. Yeah, and I think this is a timely book. People seem to be more interested in preserving now. So do you want to talk a little bit about why we chose this cookbook and who might be interested in these kind of traditional practices? Yeah, I think that this book is so fun because a lot of us probably grew up with grandparents that can, like our grandmothers maybe canned items for their homes and their families. I see a lot of people canning, wanting to grow their own food, garden, homesteading is becoming like kind of a trendy thing again. People want to be in control of what they're eating and to be a little bit more self-reliant. And I think canning just plays so well into it. Also, fermentation is really hot right now. It's always been hot, but it's especially hot. And that kind of plays into the salt as well. Yeah, absolutely. Everyone making their own kombucha and beer and have you ever made kombucha or any fermented beverage or something? Yeah, I actually used to teach kombucha making classes. Really? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I know the ins and outs. (laughs) I always felt really overwhelmed by like now my scoby is having a baby and suddenly I felt like my whole house is covered in jars of scoby. (laughs) Like I cut it off and I also felt too bad throwing one away and I, I I don't know. Totally. I made kombucha for a long time. And then I kind of had the same thing where I was like, I just have too much going on right now. And it doesn't take a lot of time each week, but it takes enough time just to make me not want to do it. So then I would go weeks without refreshing my kombucha batch. And yeah, I kind of gave it up. Yeah. So other than teaching kombucha, (laughs) what is your personal history with preserving or pickling or um, a familial, I mean, you mentioned a little bit, do you have a familial history with preserving, canning, pickling? I am more on the like fermentation train. I am more likely to ferment things. I've done a lot of pickling. We were discussing before we started recording that I have never successfully canned anything. Uh, I tried as a teenager and very dramatically gave it up and swore I would never can anything in my life. Although I'm going against that now. I think I'm ready to go back to, to it what, now. What happened in that first first attempts? Oh my gosh. Uh, I was just a dramatic teenager, I think, probably. <laughs> but we had, we had a peach tree in our backyard. And I was thinking, you know, I'm going to can these peaches like my grandmother did. Because my grandmother can make the best, most delicious peaches. I don't really remember what was the problem, but I do remember crying and then putting everything away. (laughs) I think I just got intimidated by the process. 
But I think that once you learn the base methods, you can really bring those skills to basically anything. So as soon as you learn how to sterilize your jars and you have the right equipment, you're set up to can anything. Yeah. My older sister, who's quite a bit older than me, got really into jam, making jam. And I remember drawing up jam with her and being like, wait a minute, if we don't do this right, we're going to die. <laughs> like that was like the <laughs> sort of concept of it. And so I've never, I've always been like, oh, it's too, it's too intense for me. It's too like high risk, you know? It was just scary as a kid. And I think probably I could tackle it now, you know, similar to yours of like, you don't quite remember what it was that was so traumatic, but I'm ready to jump back in. I think so too. I think we can make a resolution to try canning because like we talked about at the beginning, people have been doing this for, you know, a couple of centuries now. And it's, it's really a valuable way for us to stay in touch with our food and you know, be able to have some control when you get really beautiful, you know, green beans or whatever at the farmer's market, you can keep those and buy a couple of bunches and then have these really beautiful green beans for the rest of the year without having to rely on a company to make those for you. I was thinking about this question about canning Mm -hmm. earlier today about my family history with canning. So my grandmother, who was a practicing Mennonite, she had five sons So she had a lot of hungry boys. They were on a farm. So everybody was hungry all the time. I remember growing up, we would go to her house and we would go pick sandhill plums, which are like these little tiny fruits that grow on these scraggly bushes in Kansas. And we would go pick sandhill plums and she would make sandhill plum jelly. I think I liked it as a kid because it was so sweet and it didn't have... You know, it wasn't like a blackberry or a cherry jam that was very depth of flavor. It was just like fruity and sweet. And that's what I think of when I think of my grandma canning. Are they, are they stone fruit? Are they actually plums or is it just kind of called that? Do they have pits? Yeah, they do have pits. They're just wild plums and you can go pick them. She would serve a lot of canned food that she made. I mentioned her peaches and then she would also make these very, I consider them very Mennonite. I don't know if it was just my grandmother who made them though. These canned beets that were flavored with like cinnamon oil. So they were really sweet and pickled and very strong cinnamon. And as a kid, um, I was just like, yeah, these are totally normal. Everyone has these and I've never (laughs) seen them since. (laughs) But that was at every meal are those cinnamon pickled beets. That's reminding me, you talking about picking up those sandhill plums on the, on the side of the road. This is also so in line with trying to eat locally and also in line with foraging and how this makes all of that possible. I mean, you can't eat peaches all year long. <laughs> I mean, you can, right. you can fry them at King Supers, but should we be eating peaches all year long? And if we want to eat mm-hmm. peaches with some kind of sustainability, canning is such an answer to that. When was the last time you had sand hill plum jelly? Oh my gosh. I, it probably would have been 20 years ago now. It's been a long time, but I still remember so clearly the bright pink of that sand hill plum jelly. We're talking a lot about being intimidated (laughs) a little bit (laughs) by the canning process and that some of that intimidation also might come from knowing, you know, how 
intense and amazing your grandmother worked and you know Mm. how much work she put into feeding her family and all the things that she knew and all the tricks she had and that type of thing I think sometimes there's almost a familial intimidation because how could I live up to that version but and also of course the equipment and things like that so if somebody is a real beginner can they enter this cookbook can they find something to to try and do without too much extra equipment or things Yeah, so I have a couple of tips for people who are total beginners, as a total beginner myself, things that I have used to get into not only this book, but uh, canning kind of as a whole. So if you don't have the equipment or if you're waiting to get started uh, and still learning about it, I'd recommend one, starting with our featured recipe, which we'll talk about more. That doesn't require canning. You just put it together, seal up the jar, and you keep it in the fridge. I think this book as a whole like we have talked about, can seem really intimidating, but it's really laid out here. This book is a compendium of all kinds of preserving, and there is every resource that you really could need. And if you follow the directions, which is kind of how I am planning on getting into this, just following the directions, taking it slow, taking a methodical practice, this book is made with people who really care about this and know what they're doing, and they've laid it out really well. So if you just follow the directions, I think you will be able to achieve it. And I think I'll be able to. Yeah. (laughs) So I think that you chose a great recipe for this month because it is a refrigerator pickle, which means that you don't need to go through the whole process of canning and sealing the jar. Mm. You can just put it in a brine and keep it in the fridge because of the vinegar it's going to keep for, I think the recipe said three months or something like that. So that's a long time to have pickles. I Pickles would not last that long in my house. <laughs> so uh, it's a great recipe, I think, to start with a canning idea and not have to fully commit to maybe the more intimidating part. So I'll talk a little bit about those kits. They will be out Thursday, August 10th. And what will be included is pickling salt and pickling spices. Do you want to talk a little bit about why you thought that these refrigerated dill pickles would be a good fit for this month's recipe? Yeah, I have made a lot of refrigerated pickles in the last, you know, decade. I see these really pretty pickling cucumbers at farmer's markets and I just have to do something with them because I also love pickles. It's a really simple way to get started and you have these homemade, really impressive, delicious pickles that you can share with your friends and they'll all be very in awe of your (laughs) impressive skills. What I really like about this recipe too is that it is really adaptable. So if you don't want to do cucumbers, you can also do, you know, choose another firm veggie of your choice. I love vinegar. So I love pickled anything. Yeah. Yeah. There's a company called Healthy by Design. And they are a local like pickle and fermentation company. They're at a bunch of different farmers markets. I know they're at the Boulder Farmers Market and they might also be at the Longmont and maybe Fort Collins. And they do Frankenstein jars. So they take all the extras from everything else that they've pickled and put it in one jar. So you get one jar that has cauliflower (laughs) and tomatoes, all different kinds of veggies that I've never had pickled before. That sounds awesome. (laughs) 
Yeah, I loved it. I think I went through that jar by myself in like four days. So you mentioned pickling cucumber. What is the difference between a pickling cucumber and just a regular old cucumber? I pickling cucumber is a little bit more firm and crispier. So when you pickle them, they aren't going to lose their bite. They're going to stay nice and crunchy and crisp, just what you want in a pickle. So if you're going to the grocery store or a farmer's market, most places will have cucumbers labeled pickling cucumbers. You might also see them called Kirby cucumbers or Persian cucumbers. And then I know that we're putting pickling salt in the kits. And so people don't need to worry the first time they make these, they can use the pickling salt we give them. But can you pickle with non-pickling salt? Can you use table salt to pickle or what's pickling salt? Pickling salt is just straight up salt with no anti-caking additives and no iodine in it. Table salt, when you use it for pickling, can just make your brine really cloudy. It's not going to make a product that looks as nice. If you use iodized salt, you might get a little bit of that that flavor, a little bit of bitterness, but it probably won't be recognizable if you use iodized salt often. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm really craving a pickle now. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever had a frozen pickle? No. We grew up, all the pools in my small town or, you know, in the surrounding towns where I grew up in southwestern Kansas uh, would sell frozen pickles, like the concession stand at the public swimming pool. And it was like such a good treat to get this huge pickle. That sounds awesome to me. I'm going to put one of my pickles in the freezer. Yeah, please do. And please tell me what you think. Okay. (laughs) Before we move on from pickles, I also wanted to add that there is a really great resource in this book that I definitely dived a little bit too deep in this afternoon. There's a section called Pickles Problem Solver. And it's like four pages of pickle problems and their causes and their solutions. So for example, your pickling liquid might be pink because you use overmatured dill. So just use fresh dill next time and then your brine won't turn pink. Uh, so there's four pages of potential pickle problems and their solutions in this book. Um, this isn't the only problem solver section either. There's also a home canning problem solving section and lots of resources in general in this book for beginner canners and expert, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have any other recommendations for food media of any kind, cookbooks, food writers, blogs, maybe particularly of preserving if somebody wants to look at more pickling and jamming and preserving? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is a book called Preservation, the Art and Science of Canning, Fermentation, and Dehydration by Christina Ward. That would be great to learn the science of preserving. And then if you want some online resources, the USDA is a wealth of information for canning. They have a complete guide to home canning. They will tell you how to safely preserve just about anything. There's also a how to can on allrecipes.com. SeriousEats.com has a beginner's guide to canning, and the Ball website also has a how-to-can guide. 
Do you have anything to suggest for what you're reading now that's maybe not food related and not related to pickles? Yes. Um, although everything in my life, I feel like, could be related to pickles and I would be happy. I just finished listening to the audiobook for I Have Some Questions for You by Rebecca Mackay. I was trying to think of a way to phrase this because it's not really a murder mystery, but it's like Serial, the podcast that we were all listening to in 2014. Mm-hmm. It's like Serial <laughs> if it was a book. Mm-hmm. So it's this woman investigating a murder that happened while she was in high school at her boarding school. And it really investigates a lot of like how we use social media these days and our morality kind of around murder podcasts and all of that. It's very relevant. Does it kind of talk about our obsession with true crime? A little bit, yeah. It it talks about uh, kind of the fan base that all gets together and decides that they're going to solve a murder online and really pursue something that, you know, may or may not be healthy for everyone involved to pursue. I've heard really great things actually about that um, Becca Mackay book. It is sort of up my alley, so I'll probably have to plunge. (laughs) Anyone who likes murder podcasts or true crime podcasts is probably going to really dig this book. Yeah, yeah. I am listening to right now uh, Jeanette McCurdy's I'm Glad My Mom Died. You can tell how dark it's going to get by the relationship between her and her mom. So embracing myself to be like disturbed by it. But it's been actually good so far. And the audiobook is read by her, which I love with a memoir. So yeah. Well, thanks for chatting with me on this kind of hot summery day. I'm absolutely going to go freeze a pickle and then eat a non-frozen pickle. Um, I hope you have something pickled to munch on as soon as we're done with this. <laughs> Just a reminder that the kits are available August 10th and those are for the refrigerated dill pickles. And I will talk to you next time. Ashley, we're going to be talking about mezcla. I hope you have a good month and everybody listening. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Loveland Libcast. If you'd like to contact us about the podcast, please reach out to Daniel at daniel.tate at cityofloveland.org. That's D-A-N-I-E-L dot T-A-T-E at cityofloveland.org. See you next time.